Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 8th, 2018. An eight-game slate, but a lot of injuries to go through. We got some key injuries, uh, some guys who are questionable, some guys who are already out. So first game on the slate is the Milwaukee Bucks at the Indiana Pacers. And this game is not one of the ones with injury news. I think one thing to keep note of is that this is Victor Oladipo's second game back from injury. The first game back, he wasn't really supposed to have a minutes restriction, but only ended up playing like 25 minutes. He was ridiculous in those minutes. I think he scored 54 fantasy points in uh, whatever it was, 24 minutes. But the other thing also was that he was at, I think, 40 fantasy points after 16 minutes. I'm sure people are going to want to roster him again. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on what his minutes if there's any news on any sort of minutes restriction for him. Because at his price, in a tough matchup, if he's if they're going to say that, hey, we're only going to play Victor Oladipo 28 to 32 minutes like he played last game, that, that's, a, that's a really tough spot for him to be able to pay off value. Uh, from the Bucks side of the game, I think that Giannis, Middleton, and Bledsoe, all of them are generally fine plays for me. This is a good matchup against the Pacers. It should be one of the highest scoring games on the slate. And then just one other thing to keep an eye on is what is the Bucks starting lineup going to be because they actually started Malcolm Brogdon last game and Brogdon played uh, 32 minutes so if he starts his minutes are pretty secure he's been playing well when he gets in the game the issue is you just don't really know when he's going to play uh, just kind of an example of the weirdness of Jason Kidd's rotations there was a game last week where Brogdon didn't play almost the entire first half and Sterling Brown checked in really early and Jason Kidd was asked in the post game why did Sterling Brown come in so early in the game? And Jason Kidd said, because I saw him sitting on the bench. So if Malcolm Brogdon's starting, I feel much better about his minutes than him coming off the bench where it's it's kind of hard to predict what his role is going to be. Well, if every coach coached like Jason Kidd, I don't even think we could play DFS because it would just be entirely random who ends up playing minutes and then we would just never know what we were talking about. Uh, thankfully, yeah, that is uh, not the case. I mean, that's, Josh Lloyd calls his, uh, his rotation, it's like the lottery, which it basically is. And I think Jason Kidd's actually even called it the lottery once when he was asked why one guy played and he just said his name didn't, or why somebody didn't play, so his name didn't come up in the lottery today. So, I mean, his rotations are very difficult to figure out, but the guys who I am confident get minutes every night are, are Giannis, Middleton, and Bledsoe. Yeah, I'm especially confident in Giannis for this matchup. I don't think there are a ton of really strong plays to pay up for. I think it could change depending on some of these injuries. Um, but Giannis, I think, obviously is a good play almost every night at just really high floor. And it's a pretty good matchup against the Pacers. Um, I'll mention one more guy from Indiana. I don't think I'm that interested in Oladipo. I think he could be pretty chalky. So for GPPs, I think ownership could be a problem. And for cash games, the minutes could be a problem, but miles Turner, uh, I guess the Bucks just played the Pacers a few days ago. So we already talked about this, but the same point, the Bucks are not that good against opposing centers and Turner always has upside at 6,100. This is even cheaper than he's been uh, compared to other games where we've also referred to him as pretty cheap. So I think I'd, I'd use Turner over Oladipo if I had to pick a Pacers guy. But yeah, all of the uh, Bucks potential starters I think are a good place too. All right, next game we have here is the Toronto Raptors at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the price for DeMar DeRozan is still pretty expensive at 8800 Kyle Lowry down at 7600 Lowry has the better matchup of the two. He's cheaper. I generally just gravitate towards whichever Raptors player is cheaper. The general public and casual DFS player, I've noticed, generally tends to roster whoever is more expensive of Lowry and DeRozan because that means that's the guy who's had the better games recently. They flip-flop all the time. DeRozan's more expensive than Lowry right now. 
Lowry will probably be more expensive than DeRozan in a couple of weeks. That's just that's just how it goes. One of them has a big game, the other one doesn't have a, as much of a big game. They are negatively correlated. I've mentioned that a ton of times, but to me, Lowry at 7,600, he's the guy because he's cheaper. The Nets have also allowed, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I know they're one of the worst teams against point guards for fantasy production. From the Nets side of the game, uh, Karis LeVert missed the Nets last game with a groin strain. He's expected to play. However, we have Damari Carroll is out with a knee injury. He got hurt at the end of the Nets last game. So I think this is probably going to make uh, LeVert have to play more minutes in this game. LeVert has been playing a lot of minutes backup point guard, but he's probably going to have to play more on the wing. Joe Harris also could potentially end up in the starting lineup. If he's starting, I think he's okay as a value play at 4,200. I probably won't use him if he comes off the bench. And then I also think that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 5,800 is a fine play. He's been pretty regularly above 6,000, and he's played really well recently. He has gotten hurt in the Nets' last two games, which is kind of the regular form. He leaves a ridiculous amount of games early with injuries, but almost always ends up coming back. Uh, but it did keep his minutes down a little bit in the last couple of games. But there's a lot of upside, I think, in Rondé Hollis-Jefferson with his price under 6000 uh, So first, I agree with you on Lowry over DeRozan. He'll be lower-owned because he's cheaper, because he hasn't been as good recently, which is just, just kind of crazy logic by most people. Um, but yeah, there's better value on Lowry. I think uh, Valanchunas also could be a decent play. He was really efficient in the 17, I think it was 17 minutes that he played last time out. His minutes have been sporadic, but his price isn't that isn't that high either. He's at 5100. Um, probably just GPPs only though, because the minutes the minutes floor is low. But I don't think that there's any reason why the Raptors would need to go small ball against the Nets. Um, and then there's one other guy that I think has a lot of minutes security for Brooklyn on top of. Levert and Hollis Jefferson and Joe Harris. Uh, we haven't mentioned Spencer Dinwiddie really that much at all recently. Um, his price has come down a lot. He was did he hit eight thousand at one point this season? Because he's only at sixty one hundred now. And I think for some of the reason that we like the Nets, the rest of the Nets guys against Toronto, uh, I think it holds true for Dinwiddie, where the Raptors play good defense, but they also play at a really fast pace. So it's not really a negative matchup. So. I don't know. Do you think Dinwiddie is a good play at 6,100? And I guess also, is he that much cheaper than he's been before? He is cheaper, but the reason he's uh, cheaper is he's playing less minutes right now. And the reason he's playing less minutes is because they're running Levert at the point guard a lot. So Dinwiddie doesn't play off the ball a ton. And as opposed to, I think, earlier, we saw Dinwiddie playing like 35 minutes per game. He's kind of in like the high 20 range now. And it's just because Levert is taking a lot of those minutes from him. So I'm looking at the pricing now. Dinwiddie's peak was only 7,300, actually. But what, what I was looking at more is the last two games, he's played 36 minutes in each of them. But I guess that's just because Karis LeVert was out, because before that, he was playing under 30 in each of the last, I think it was six games in a row. So the minutes, I guess you're expecting that they'll go back down under 30 with LeVert healthy. Yeah, and then just Lowry is also such a good individual defender. That's why I'm actually looking at it right now. The Raptors allow the fifth least amount of DraftKings points to point guards. And uh, Brooklyn, just because I was trying to bring this up for Brooklyn gives up the third most DraftKings fantasy points to point guards, which uh, that's another reason to like Lowry. 
but then the other issue is just uh, the point guard defense from Lowry is really good. So that's what has me off, Dinwiddie. And even though Levert plays some point guard, he probably will be the point guard more with the second unit. So he won't see as much of Lowry. I don't think you have to worry that Levert handling the ball uh, suffers from that tough matchup as much. Yeah, and, and it's also it's not a ton of point guard minutes for Levert. It's just enough to take minutes away from Dinwiddie. So, like, the uh, Levert plays probably like five to six point guard minutes per game. And it's not, like, a ridiculously significant amount where I'd say, like, oh, he's going to get Lowry defense. But that is the five to six minutes is five to six minutes less that Dinwiddie plays, which is pretty significant for his output. Yeah, it affects Dinwiddie more than it affects Levert himself. So, yeah, I guess that's fair. All right, so next game we have here is the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Minnesota Timberwolves. This should be a really high-scoring game. From the Cavs' side of the game, LeBron is priced at 11500 And I think for cash games, it's fine to play LeBron. He has a really high floor. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He's going to do a lot of good things on the floor. But I'm a little concerned with his upside now with Isaiah Thomas there. So Thomas has only played two games on the Cavs. His minutes are limited. He's going to play limited minutes again. But in two games with the Cavaliers, he has a 36.6% usage rating. And they're trying to play him a lot of minutes with LeBron now just so they'll get comfortable playing together. So I, I think that even if we're only going to expect like 20 to 25 minutes from Isaiah Thomas, I think that he's going to be taking a significant amount of shots and touches away from LeBron. And I think that LeBron coming off the just ridiculously huge game he had where he scored like 75 fantasy points last time out, I think he's going to have some decent ownership for this slate. So there's other guys that I prefer to pay up for than LeBron. From the Timberwolves side of the game, let's see, what are the prices for these guys? Carl Anthony Towns at 9,200, Jimmy Butler at 8,400. I think that they're both fine plays. The Cleveland, the uh, Minnesota offense has just been really concentrated recently, where it's just Towns and Butler are getting almost all of the shots in the offense. Then we have Tyus Jones at 4,500. He gets a lot of minutes, but he's really not doing a lot with them recently. His value was really built on steals when he was first playing. And they've come down a little bit to where he was averaging like over four steals per game, and now he's at like a little over one over his last few games and he just doesn't do much else. So I think at 4,500, I think it's okay to take a chance on him as a value play, but he's not somebody I want to have a ton of exposure to because I don't think the ceiling is particularly high. And I think the floor is pretty low also. Yeah. I think some exposure might make some sense, but yeah, Tyus Jones is tough to count on. Um, I think fading LeBron is a pretty good strategy for tournaments for this game. He'll be much higher owned, uh, for the reasons you said, then Giannis or probably Davis and Cousins. And I think there might even be more expected output from those guys. LeBron is more expensive, too, so that might be the bigger concern. Um, as far as ownership from the Wolves' side, I think Towns could be a lot chalkier than Jimmy Butler just because of how good he was last game in Boston. Towns was basically the entire offense for Minnesota, at least in terms of fantasy points. Um so, Butler scored 44 fantasy points that game also, though. Yeah, Towns was in the 60s, though, right? I'm just trying to pull that up. Uh, Lost Butler the Towns scored 44, time. and Towns scored 51. Okay. Oh, okay. I was looking at two games ago against the Celtics. I completely missed yesterday's game, uh, two days ago, game against the Pelicans. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, they've just both been really good almost every game. Yeah, I guess they'll both be popular. Um, I think there is a little more value in Butler's price, but it's a good matchup for Towns too, so 
I don't know. There probably is a little bit of negative correlation to using them together unless you're game stacking, but I just don't think that's really viable here with how expensive everyone is and how expensive LeBron is, and it should be a pretty high-owned stack. So if you're picking between Towns and Butler, I think I'd rather go with Butler for cheaper and then maybe use someone like Taj Gibson as a secondary player from Minnesota or just Tyus Jones. But I'm fine with Butler, and I guess I'm fine with Towns, but I'd rather... I think I'd rather just use other players in that price range who also should be much lower owned. Okay, so the next game we have here, the Houston Rockets at the Chicago Bulls. I think Chris Paul at 10100 is also like an acceptable play. I don't think there's a ton of value in that price tag. He's gone way up since James Harden got hurt. His numbers are still pretty good sans Harden this year. I think he's scoring... Uh, let's see, what is it? Last time I looked, I think he was scoring something like 63 points per 36 minutes with Harden off the floor, but it was in a pretty small sample size. So now we have a few more games, or more minutes for him off the floor, and he's, he's still scoring 58 uh, fantasy points per 36 minutes with Harden off the floor. It's a plus matchup. So, yeah, I think Paul at 10,000 is pretty fine. I like him a lot paired with Clint Capella. Uh, I think... Eric Gordon is also a fine play. I definitely wouldn't play Paul and Gordon together, but I think either or in a lineup paired with Capella would make sense. From the Bulls side of the game, I know I've been talking a ton over the last couple weeks about how much I like Chris Dunn and how well he's been playing. And at 6,800, while that is a little bit cheaper of a price, I do not want to roster him at all going up against Chris Paul. And then overall, the front court minutes are just a little bit too, too spread for me. So I'm, I'm off the Chicago side of the game, even though this should be a really high-scoring game. Yeah, another note on Dunn. Any projection system that is adjusting Dunn's stats for the Rockets' point guard defense, it's going to be a little bit off because Chris Paul hasn't played the whole season, and he was a little bit limited even when he did come back. So the Rockets' defensive stats are not fully reflective of how good Chris Paul is defensively. And then another part of it is that Briante Weber has been playing a lot more lately, and he's just purely a defensive specialist who seems to be really good defensively. So for guards going against Houston, whether it's the starting point guard or the backup point guard, it's kind of a nightmare for, of a matchup. I think Dunn will be popular, and generally this should be a high-scoring fantasy point game. But yeah, I think Dunn might not be in the best spot just because of the individual matchup, even though there could be a lot of points from both teams. I probably would rather use Justin Holiday if you have to pick a Bulls guard because he'll more likely than not have Eric Gordon on him rather than Chris Paul, which is a substantially easier matchup. So I think Paul, Capella, and Holiday, and then I guess Eric Gordon in separate lineups would be the guys to use from this game. All right, so the next game we have here, this is one where it's going to be tough to really give out a lot of information for other than kind of what-ifs because we have the Pistons playing in New Orleans, Andre Drummond, questionable to play again. If he's out, then maybe we see Boban start. I, th I think that there's a decent chance that Boban goes in the starting lineup just because the Pistons are going to need size to play against the Pelicans. You know, with Boogie and Davis in the front court, I, I even think it's possible that we could see Eric Moreland start next to, uh, next to Boban, and then maybe they slide... Tobias Harris over to small forward. It, it's just hard to say without. We don't know if Drummond's playing. We don't know who's starting if he's out. But I do know this. If Drummond is out, 
DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis should just destroy the Pistons' front court. Like, if it's Boban starting, playing against DeMarcus Cousins, it's a really similar type thing the other day where we were talking about, like, oh, on, uh, Joel Embiid would destroy Boban. Well, a really similar situation here where DeMarcus Cousins has a lot of the same skill set as Embiid. He would destroy Boban. Uh, he would destroy Eric Moreland also. Anthony Davis would destroy either of those guys. So, really, really strong spot for Cousins and Davis if Andre Drummond is out. Well, if Drummond is out, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But also, there's a little more blowout risk. So, I don't know. There's a little reason to be concerned there. But I'm actually thinking it might be a better opportunity for Cousins and Davis if Drummond plays, just because the game should be closer. And then I think you can stack Drummond himself with either Davis or Cousins and then use a few other guys from this game. I think the most notable one that we probably both like is Avery Bradley, who was really chalky the first game that he came back from injury, which was three games ago. But uh, no, it was it was his set, his his first game. He had no ownership, but he had a really good game. And in the second game, he was really chalky, and they just got destroyed by by the Sixers. I think they lost that game by like thirty eight. And he was really high on that game, and literally had I think like half a fantasy point or something. Right, he just didn't play a lot of minutes because they got killed, and I guess he didn't do well when they were playing because they just obviously lost by a lot of points, and no one on the team did well. But the reason Bradley makes for a better play now than he did before he was hurt is that Reggie Jackson's out. So there's a little more usage there, maybe even a few more minutes. And then Stanley Johnson has been injured too. So if he's out, that's potentially another minute or two or a couple minutes for Bradley. Um, but he should be lower owned now than he was in that spot against Philly because he's had two pretty bad games in a row. Not necessarily his fault, but he has had two low outputs in a row. So if you are going to use, let's say we know that Drummond is playing before Locke, I think I would be interested in using Drummond and Bradley with one of Davis or Cousins in, in probably – a few lineups. No, I definitely think that that makes sense. And then also looking up Avery Bradley this year, 26.1% usage rating with Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond off the, off the floor. So that, that's a pretty high uh, amount of usage, pretty big role in the offense for him without those guys there. So he would definitely be a strong play if Andre Drummond is out. Uh, next game here is the Spurs at the Kings. This is another one that I think is a tough one to really draw conclusions on just because we know that Kawhi is going to be out, but the Spurs do tend to rest a lot of guys on the tail end of back-to-backs. So I think LaMarcus Aldridge could be rested for this game. I think Pau Gasol could be rested for this game. And the other thing to also take note of is they're playing against the Kings, who are just a total shit basketball team. So I think that that makes Popovich way more willing to rest guys in that kind of situation. So I would be really surprised if we don't see at least, I'd say like two to three Spurs guys get rested. Manu Ginobili, I think, is a lock to not end up playing in this game. Uh, Tony Parker got rested today, so we'll probably play tomorrow. But this is another one we just kind of have to wait to see who's playing for the Spurs because we're just not sure who's in or out. And then it's kind of similar from the King side of the game where I think we're not really totally sure whether George Hill or Zach Randolph are going to play because they missed last game. So there's just a lot up in the air for this one. I think if we don't have any information going into lock, then Kyle Anderson is probably the only Spurs player that I would comfortably use um, because he's not someone who ever gets rested and he'll probably get more minutes in basically anyone's place who's out. He is a pretty versatile player who they, I guess, can move around. I mean, the Spurs don't care about positions that much, I don't think, but... Anderson can play against bigger players. He can play against smaller players. He seems to play pretty consistent minutes no matter what the situation is. So as long as someone's out, Anderson is still probably going to play at least 30 minutes. Uh, so I would use him, but I don't think that it's 
I don't think we can know that anyone else is in a good situation yet until we get more information. I think you just saying that Kyle Anderson never gets rested. Locked that he gets rested now tomorrow by Popovich. Oh, wow. Well, the fact that you even think that that could happen means that I should probably be less optimistic that he plays. Yep, you put it because one, you, you jinxed it, and two, Greg Popovich most likely is an avid listener of our podcast. Well, if so. the reasons are Jinx and Popovich listens, then I, I'll rescind uh, changing my mind because of what you said. I'll, I'll definitely disregard both of those points. All right. Fair enough. So uh, next game we have here the Atlanta Hawks at the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers, another team with just a ton of injuries. Blake Griffin's out. Austin Rivers is out for a while. Milos Teodosic is questionable with foot injury. I tend to think that he's not going to play. This is the same foot injury that kept him out for almost the entire season. He came back and got re-hurt right away. And the Clippers have been a little weird with their injury reports recently. So, like, they had Austin Rivers listed as questionable. They said he was going to be a game-time decision. And then right before the game started, they announced, oh, Austin Rivers is out two to three weeks. So they clearly knew that he was going to be out for a while before that game started and just hadn't said anything. I think we could see a similar situation for Teodosic. I would be really surprised if he plays in this game. Uh, so from the Hawk side of the game, I think that Dennis Schroeder at 6,900 is a fine play. Torian Prince at 5,600, I think that he's fine to roster. Let's see, what is? I think I remember him being more expensive. I'll just mention this before you move on. Torian Prince actually got injured tonight. He had a finger injury, but then he came back in the game. Uh, but maybe that could carry over where they want to give him a night off. I'm not sure, but Prince could have a potential injury that we have to monitor. Uh, well, either way, I'm probably going to like Dennis Schroeder for this game. And then from the Clippers side of the game, I think Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan, they're both really strong plays, and we know that they're going to have minutes in production tomorrow. And then it's kind of hard to know some of the other guys who's going to play, where the minutes going to be, because last game without Blake Griffin, without Tay Dosich, the, the Clippers just got destroyed by the Warriors. So Ty Wallace played a bunch of minutes, but... Was that because they had injuries, or was it just because uh, because of the blowout? So hopefully we get a starting lineup early in the day because it's kind of hard to know who it is that's going to be playing. Like I think that C.J. Williams and Juwan Evans, they could be good value plays, or maybe not. I think that there's a good chance that we see Lou Williams moved into the starting lineup for this game also. Well, I think for C.J. Williams and Juwan Evans, we would need to know that Teodosic is out. Because if he plays, those guys probably are getting a lot less minutes. Maybe one of them ends up being a strong play. But there, there's a lot more risk there. I think both of them would have pretty low floors. So I don't think I'd roster either of them unless we're confident that Teodosic doesn't play. But I do agree with you. He almost definitely won't. It does seem like this should be a longer-term injury. Um, either way, though, Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan, yeah, for sure are strong plays. Lou Williams, without Rivers there already, gets a usage boost. Definite usage boost for everyone without Blake Griffin who's the focal point of the offense. So um, Lou Williams definitely will have more shots, probably more shots at the rim for DeAndre Jordan, and then certainly more rebounds for DeAndre Jordan, which is probably the biggest source of the increase in value for him that he gets when Griffin's out. Is he? He's averaging, I think it's four or five more rebounds per 36 minutes when Griffin's off the court compared to when he's on the court. Do you have that stat on I hand? Think it's even, I think it's even more than that, because the last time I looked it up, I, I think he was averaging... It was 19 rebounds per 36 minutes with Blake off the floor. Oh, I'm, I'm also not. I think he averages a lot of rebounds anyway. So. Yeah, I think he's in the 14s with Griffin on the court. 
and uh, 19 with him off the court. Um, but one other thing on the Clippers, the, you know, it's hard to gauge the minutes from last game because they got blown out by the Warriors and there weren't any starters playing in the fourth quarter. But Sam Decker was the guy who started the second half for Griffin after he got hurt. And I think he was the guy who immediately came in for Griffin right when he did get injured in the second quarter. Um, so if Decker's starting and playing 25 to 30 minutes, I think he makes for a really strong value play. But it might be hard to just trust that the Clippers would roll with the same starting lineup that they opened the second half with against Golden State. But if, if we know that Decker's starting, I think he's a pretty good play. Uh, so it is uh, 16.7 rebounds per 36 minutes for DeAndre Jordan with Blake Griffin on the floor and then 19.1 with him off. So about two and a half more rebounds per 36 minutes. And then also just a really strong matchup, the Hawks. Not a good team defensively, not really a good team offensively either, and also play at a fast pace. This should be a really high-scoring game and not really a ton of blowout risk, even though the Hawks are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back. The Clippers are missing so many guys that I just think this is a good matchup where I don't have too much concern of them winning by like 30 points or anything like that. Yeah, the Clippers just are not good, so it's really hard for them to blow anyone out right now. Okay, last game on the slate, and surprise, surprise, another one with injuries to look at uh the denver nuggets of the golden state warriors from the Nuggets side of the game i think Jokic 8100 is a fine play that's a little cheap for him and then i think guys like uh jamal murray gary harris will barton they're all fine plays but not like any sort of crazy value trey lyles has finally been priced up to a, a point where i'm fine with leaving him out of my player pool 5700 in a tough matchup against the warriors i will probably not roster him at that price from the Warrior side of this game, Kevin Durant is questionable again with that calf injury. He's gonna I think he said he's gonna see how he feels at shoot around tomorrow and then make a determination on if he plays. So there's a pretty good chance we'll know early in the day whether Durant is in or out. Uh, if he isn't gonna play, then Steph Curry I think is a really strong guy to pay up for. Again, he's all the way at ten thousand five hundred, but it's a plus matchup against the Nuggets and his usage rating is just huge without Durant. It's around, I think, 40% over the last two seasons with Durant off the floor, which obviously since Durant came to the Warriors. And then also, I think Clay Thompson, also, uh, well, I know Clay Thompson also gets a usage boost. He's a good play at 6,600 if Durant's out. Draymond Green at 8,000, even with Durant out, I just kind of think that's a fair play for him. He gets a slight boost with Durant out, but not as big as the bump that Curry and Thompson get. So I'm assuming we won't know that Durant is in or out before lock, which makes this. I, I think I think we should know for Durant. It's it's a 10:30 game. I guess I guess we could, but well, if we do know, I think one thing that people kind of miss on Durant sometimes is how good he is defensively. So it should be a much better matchup for everyone on Denver. I guess it doesn't affect Trey Lyles much because he doesn't really get that much of his fantasy production from scoring points. Um. And it shouldn't really change Jokic. I think Jokic is a good play anyway, but I don't think it... Durant's not really guarding Jokic. Maybe Draymond Green would have been, and now he has to slide to a different position because Durant's not there. So, I don't know, maybe there could be a trickle-down effect that helps Jokic. But for guys like Will Barton and Gary Harris, and yeah, it's probably just those two, Durant not being there would probably give them a bit of a bump. And it could make this game a stronger stack spot because then we'd also have more value on the Warriors. Uh, so I, I don't think I would want to guess that Durant's out if we don't know. I don't think I would make stacks here and just hope that Durant doesn't play. But if we do know that he's out, I think this is a really good stack spot. And there's less blowout risk for the Warriors because I guess Durant is arguably their best player, but he's at least one of their two best players. So it, it makes them a lot less likely that they'll win by a ton of points. 
Yeah, and also just throwing that Curry is my favorite player to pay up for on the slate if Durant can't play. Nuggets struggling against point guards. Really, for a while now, we have a pretty big sample size of Paul Millsap being out. They've not been a good defensive team. I've said that a million times. But Steph Curry this year scoring 65.5 DraftKings points per 36 minutes with Durant off the floor. 41.1% usage rating. And also, he's been playing really well over the last few games. So that helps a little bit that he's coming in good form as well. Uh, Nothing else to add for the slate. Oh, one last thing before we finish up. Assuming the best-case scenario, which is in terms of the top uh, price guys, so if Duran is out and Andre Drummond are out, which guys do you think you'd want to have the most exposure to between Cousins, Davis, and Curry? I think it's Curry for sure. I, I mean, you had just said that Curry's your favorite guy to pay up for, I guess, not thinking about the Drummond situation. But I would be a little more concerned about a blowout for New Orleans and also that Davis and Cousins... I guess sometimes it looks like there's positive correlation. Sometimes it's negative. I don't even know if this season is enough of a sample yet to determine if those guys are good together or if they can both have huge games. But this the situation's a lot clearer in Golden State. There's much higher floor for Curry. Maybe the ceiling isn't quite as high as someone like Boogie, but Curry's so much safer of a player to pay up for. So I think it would still be Curry, but I'd want to I want I'd want a lot of exposure to all three of them. Okay, so I'll just say that Curry would be my favorite. And then I think I would probably go Cousins 2 and Davis 3, but uh, it would be tough. I mean, also, this is assuming that Duran is out and Drum's out, so still some what-ifs there. So that'll wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. Do we have a decent slate Tuesday for us to come back to? uh, Yeah, so four games. We'll do one tomorrow for Tuesday. Uh, So we'll be back for that.